the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now at KDOW.biz and Radio.com. The views and opinions expressed by Ron Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, uh, Black and Your Money, live, August 17, 2020. We're pushing into the end of the year as we know it, and the election season is coming up very fast, as well as, like I said, the end of the year. End of the year comes a little bit of Christmas, holiday spending. We don't seem to be having a spending problem in the United States right now. We seem to be having a when do we earn income problem. To say it very simple, COVID-19 has changed back to school. Some stocks have benefited largely. My personal situation is we're probably spending more on new laptops and things like that than we are on paper, notebooks, new jeans. Uh, but again, that's changing back to school. And how will Christmas change? And again, when I say Christmas, I want to throw in Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and every other holiday because I don't want to exclude anyone. But also, I want to do a radio show and kind of just say Christmas. Um, and I'm trying to offend no one ever again. <laughs> it's a dicey situation, as you can imagine. So why does the audio sound less than stellar today? Well, the audio sounds less than stellar because we're having some uh, technical issues tied towards my media company that we hope to have resolved this week. So just bear with it. I'll try to pack the show with great content. Um, you listen. I'll do some good content to get you get you going, so to speak. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, big winners in back to school this year. I think it's going to be Amazon. Kohl's, Target, Walmart, they're running fewer ads in July than they did last year. So it's going to be less costly. People know where they have to go. 78% of households expect to buy supplies specifically for back to school season. That's down from 98% last year, 94% last year. More than 40% of those families will only shop online for back to school. Um, I've been offered, hey, do you want to come into the studio? I'm like, nah, COVID issues. Let's give it a little bit more. I'd rather err on the side of caution than, how should you say, the typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary, if you check the history books, um, how shall we say, slept in the crypt of a, a church 
And uh, there were some dead people who had typhoid, and she walked around the city by day, and she was a, a carrier, so to speak. Anyhow, consumer electronics is going to be a big category. Best Buy is going to be a big beneficiary this week, um, and as that plays into BTS, back to school. Distance learning means that students need fewer new clothes, except for the fact that they grow and they need to be replaced automatically. Um, but big essential retailers right now are standing in, from grocery shopping to fast food meals. People are spending more of their money in one go rather than making multiple trips. Um, I have a neighbor who just shows you how thrifty they're trying to be and how thrifty with their time and their exposure issues. Uh, when he orders restaurant food, he typically orders three meals for himself, and he freezes two of them. Wow. Um, same thing with his groceries. He's, he's over. Yeah, anyway, I'm digressing. Spending on clothing won't totally disappear because we're seeing a lot of interest in comfort. We're seeing a lot of interest in athleisure. Um, this weekend, uh, I, I logged how much time I spent in my pajama pants versus my jeans, and let's just say I'm shifting. So that's good for Nike. They've got a strong online presence as well. So not only do they make the athleisure, but they also have the online fulfillment for me. Um, so that's kind of one of the big stories. It's a trend. And you know what's interesting about it is, as I've used services like Amazon, sometimes I'm like, I'm only going to use it for a year and see how it is. It became sticky in my life. As I've used systems like uh, for video games, whether it be Steam or Epic and how they have an a on-store library, I, 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 since I've switched to Epic, I haven't logged on to Steam for two or three years. So it becomes very, very sticky, um, the way we are spending habits play out. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Low interest rates have pushed optimism for home builders. Um, a friend of mine just bought a second home as a get-out-of-the-big-city push. So there is some real estate activity. Real estate, in my belief, will fall apart across the board when interest rates across the board move higher and affordability becomes less affordable. Now, again, when I'm saying fall off, get hurt, take a smack on the face, I'm not talking about going to zero. I'm talking about not going up, maybe going sideways, maybe going down 5, 10, 15 percent. Um, and that's fine by me. Taking a look at the markets today. Um, got a little bit of mixed markets which is always fascinating to me because I think we're seeing a nice shift. Apple is lower, Uber lower, um, Tesla's a little bit, Tesla's higher and Nvidia's higher, so the tech stocks are a little bit mixed. But the big mega cap stocks are taking a bit of a breather. The Nasdaq's up 80, led by other things than the big tech stocks. Um, SP 500's up, Dow's down. Um, not a big story there, but gold and silver moving higher, as is oil. That doesn't make sense. Uh, gold and silver tends to be an inflationary play. Crude oil should be going down, um, or should crude oil be going up, pushing the economy higher? We're having demand. Gold and silver say, okay, so we can make we can make a case for that. Ten-year Treasury sits at 70 basis points. Moving on and moving forward into the content for the day. Um, the election season is, is showing us something that's kind of weird, kind of funky, kind of uncomfortable. Um, we know that Richard Nixon got into a Watergate scandal. 
Now we're starting to question, is Donald Trump getting into something similar with the mailing, shutting down the post office, telling the post office not to deliver, taking away their, their counting machines, punishing them, blaming Amazon for them? All I know is a lot of people are going to want to vote by mail this year, and they have a right to vote by mail. I'm not getting into the politics of that, but that's something that could cause the market to get a little bit dicey. Just the headline news. Now, the beauty about that is, is it may or may not. It may blow over people's heads. I don't see a post office scandal. Pelosi's seeing a post office scandal. Trump's saying, you know, uh, I don't want people to vote by mail. He said it out loud. <laughs> I'm like, what did you say that? Um, I'm amazed at what we can get away with, politically speaking, right now, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. So um, mail fraud could become a big headline story. And I'm not going to get into the stats. I'm not going to get into the data. I'm not going to do anything like that. A new all-time high for the S&P 500 was elusive last week. Uh, we tend to try to take out those all-time highs. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. But if we're able to take them out, um, we tend to try to find a new bottom, a new top. We're, we want to hold bottoms two or three times. We want to play with tops one or two times and break through them. But last week, we're having problems with the S&P 500 of hitting those all-time highs. President Trump turned on the diplomatic heat over the weekend um, with an executive order that uh, states ByteDance must sell or divest its U.S. TikTok business within 90 days. That's still very much so out there as far as news. Principal Biopharma is another stock in action today. It's up 9.3% after Sanofi said, we're going to acquire that company. I like seeing mergers and acquisitions. I'm good with it, especially in times of what's going on in the market when companies look at each other. Anyhow and anyway, you're listening to me, Rob Black, talk all things financial. I'm back. I had a couple of days off last week due to some technical difficulties. It hurt me not to be there. But uh, I'll find some good stories for you. I'll dig them up and uh, we'll talk. Uh, we can talk about sports, we can talk about investing, we can talk about what that tells us about our economy. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Rob Black. Always and always and always ascending, opening line leads and uncertain ending. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. How you doing? We're having a little bit of technical difficulty. It sounds like I'm broadcasting from the 1980s, and I'm actually kind of fine with that. Hopefully you are, too. If you were to go back in time as an investor, you could learn a lot. Um, what's the history of investing? A lot of people believe it began in Mesopotamia, or Mesopotamia, with an M, not an N. The Code of Hammurabi, land was required to be pledged as collateral. It was a framework for civilization's most crucial laws. I'm a big fan of breakthroughs that led civilizations into greater times, and investing is one of them. The Code of Hammurabi was written probably 1700 BC. 
1602, you got the Amsterdam Stock Exchange. So there was not a lot of innovation there for a long period of time until you get to the 17th century. Uh, generally accepted as fact, um, that changed the world as far as capitalism and economic spread. So where do we go from here? I don't know. Maybe the first pension fund was started in 1759. It was a Presbyterian minister's fund. Now, what is a pension fund? It is a dream. It is an ideal thought for the world that we work from age 20 to 60 and we live from 60 to 100 from our work from 20 to 60 and maybe our company, maybe our government, somebody pays us back for the work that we put in. So 1759, now here's the problem. Pension funds, a lot of people worked for 30 years, 20 years, and they died two or three years later. The lifespan was different. Um, so just stop there for a second. And the next big economic event was the Industrial Revolution. I sound like I'm in a time capsule because I'm going back and exploring the times. The Industrial Revolution, 1760, 1840, mid-18th century, is that's qualified as where we started to use our stores of money and we started going, you know, uh, after ideas for the general population. The end of the first industrial revolution, the second industrial revolution took place from 1860 to 1914. That's where we got the combustion engine. We got flight, we got radio, we got electric power. Um, but we started creating jobs. Now, Historically speaking, it was rough working conditions, the industrial revolutions, and there was a lot of child labor. It's a very uncomfortable part of our history, to say the least. But if instead of spending on everything that they own, like food and shelter, people had extra money and they started saving for the future. Modern banking came in the 1800s. Do you know who are some of the modern bankers? And I say 1800s. J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Lehman Brothers, they're all founded throughout the 1800s. Um, then you started getting into the stock indexes, and whether it be the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the NASDAQ, you, you kind of like, okay, people are paying people to publish information on stocks. So we want you to come invest in our company, but we need to let people know how that plays out. Uh, we need, they need to have some confidence that when they put in a dollar, what do they get for a dollar? When they put in a thousand dollars, what do they get for a thousand dollars? And the, the granddaddy there was Charles Dow. And again, that's going to be tied towards the Dow Jones, D-O-W, Charles Dow. He came up with what was called the railroad average. Now think about that for a second. There is enough railroad plays out there. Um, that, that, he put them in an index and he said, hey, if you want to buy these, we can buy these. Or if we want to see how transportation is doing across the country, we can look at this index on a day-by-day basis. By buying a part of a company, listing on an index, you got shares of their profit. Again, back then what was dominant were things like railroads and steel mills and mining companies. So that led Charles Dow to say, let's not just do transportation. Let's do 12 stocks, not the Dow Jones Industrial 30. That comes much later. This is the Dow Jones Industrial 12. Uh, then that led to publication saying, hey, they can't be the only one printing information about these companies. Let's go with standard statistics and Moody's Manual. And then suddenly we're up to 90 stocks. Um, so 90 stocks that people could buy and sell across the world, pretty interesting, right? 
Um, the recessions and depressions started happening, and we started seeing the, the, the winners and the losers over time in stock markets. We started seeing that short-term stocks could go down. We saw that they could create an enormous amount of wealth. Uh, most definitions of recession are two quarters in a row of contraction on GDP. By most counts, it, since 1774, the United States has been through at least 50 recessions. So it's usually a good expanding economy, but there's periods of time where you have to really pay attention to what you bought and why. So a radical idea that came in 1929 was that our government could spin their way out of recession, that our government can help uh, their, their citizens. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I love that middle name, Delano. He came up with a new deal. He started spending government money for the first time ever to stimulate our economy. He said, let's build roads, let's build dams, let's build bridges, let's build tunnels. Enormous infrastructure pro uh, projects that got America back to work. Now do you see how when Trump and Congress spends trillions trying to get us back to work, where it came from? It came from the Great Depression. Um, but there was a stock market that happened there, and that is that permanently changed people's psychology about investing. It started becoming a game. It started becoming a roller coaster. It started becoming the average guy would get in when things are sexy. The average guy would sell when things are bad. So that got our government going, okay, we can't have people getting ripped off on a regular basis. So we came up with the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. I'm not going to get into it, but every registered investment advisor, every CFP has to know all about that, that law set. And it basically says things like, if Mike wants to buy stock, but Mike doesn't have money to buy stock, can Mike sell his house to buy stock? Is that a good idea or a bad idea? And you're like, okay, wait, wait, there's like five negatives in that, and I'm supposed to, and it's a tricky test. It's designed to trick high school simpletons. It's, it's designed to make the person who's going to work, you work with in buying securities a little bit more knowledgeable about your rights and, and about moral obligations to you. That was a big one. Um, the 1980s and 1990s, the 2000s, I think was, you know, again, 1950s, it was all about post-World War II and spending and making things at the factories that used to make tanks and Jeeps. We started making cars and dishwashers. And in the 1980s and 1990s, we got the Internet revolution. Like, we had these periods of time where you could kind of see, like, whoa, there was a lot of growth there. And you get it. So modern investing, I think, really came out of the Internet where Robin Hoods came in and said, you, get, you don't have to pay for stocks anymore. Well, you have to pay for the stock. You don't have to pay for the right to, to buy the stock. So <clears throat> the commission started going away, which was eh, not bad. So that's how we went from the Code of Hammurabi way back 1700 BC to where we are today. That's the brief history, and I'm doing it again because my audio is going to be a little less than ideal for the next day or two, three, maybe. Hopefully it gets resolved. We got some infrastructure work that we have to do at our company. Be patient. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. Sign of the times. A little bit. We're going to get the virtual Democratic Convention. Gone are the balloon drops, the backslapping, the cheering crowds. The DNC, the Democratic National Convention, begins today. It's going to be in almost entirely virtual event. I'm looking forward to it, not from a Republican and Democrat standpoint, but from a uh, – I'm fascinated with how the NBA has shown their product and how the NHL has shown their product and how baseball is showing their product. Baseball is using cardboard cutouts in some stadiums, and it's weird because it basically says fans are two-dimensional. Yeah, that's just my own insight, but you get the idea. I love what the NBA is doing. They've set up uh, what looks to be like 100-foot-tall monitors and massive TVs, and they're, they're letting fans somehow join the game virtually from their own home. So it kind of looks like a Buck Rogers 21st century. The crowd is too good to actually put on clothes and come to the stadium, so they just cheer from their home virtually. Let the gladiators play basketball. Hockey, I don't like. Hockey's just using an empty stadium, and they've put, like, pretty sheets that say the NHL all over them around the, the stadium. Now, again, we're all doing it differently. But I'm, what I'm saying is I can't wait to see how the Democrats and the Republicans use technology to show us an event that used to be – you had to be there to understand it. Um, speakers are going to include this week Vice Presidential Candidate Kamala Harris, Bill Clinton, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, they're all going to be doing it virtually, and I'm fascinated by this and how it pulls off. And will there be any stuttering? Will there be any flaws? Will everything be pre-recorded and then put out? Excellent questions. Um, so that's going to be the first time we've ever gone through that. And once we go through things once, we get more and more comfortable with it. One of the big damages that is going to be long-term to uh, post-COVID is going to be the business travel industry. We've learned, and a friend of mine who works in this industry as a financial planner asked me, he goes, hey, do you mind if I move to Idaho? Would you still work with people like me if I was in a different state and I could do all the conferences via Zoom? And maybe once a year I'll fly in and, and meet 10 clients on one day and 10 clients on another day. I'm like, that works for me. Uh, but again, it's going to be a situation-by-situation situation kind of situation. So he wants to cut his housing costs in half. And I get it. So it can be something that does change. Um, over the weekend, I was reading about some of the pension funds. And I'm always fascinated by how they play their games. So a pension fund would be like um, CalPERS. Last week, we heard about a uh, big pension fund for teachers out of New York. I think I'm getting attacked by birds right now. <laughs> if you can hear those guys in the background. But they're quite distracting. The largest public pension in the United States by assets made some big second quarter changes in their investment portfolio. And this would be CalPERS. They sold Apple and they bought more shares of chip giant AMD. Um, biotech firm Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, marijuana company Tilray. Wow, that brings up a question. Do you want your pension fund investing in what's considered a sin stock? Hold on, I gotta close this window. Technical difficulties. Okay, that's better. So the pension manages about $400 billion for teachers, right? California uh, CalPERS. 
or that's actually for the public employees retirement system. So that's a lot of money. And again, when they sell a, a little more than a million shares of Apple, do I change my investment thesis on Apple? I don't. But do I pay attention to what the big boys are holding as kind of um, a, a company like CalPERS? They can't go out and buy a company who's losing a lot of money and who might go out of business. Well, they could, but it's typically not a great idea. Um, I'm a little worried they're buying more AMD after AMD's had a huge run. But again, I'm just showing you how I approach the market. It's a lot of education. And then you start filtering through some of the flags that you developed during that education period. On Friday, we saw Apple getting sued by Fortnite maker Epic. This is going to be a pretty interesting fight because Fortnite and Epic did it. Well, Epic did it in kind of a cheap manner. They're basically asking their kids who are 10 years old playing Fortnite to stand up to Apple. (laughs) But Epic had their game, Fortnite, pulled from the Apple and Google uh, stores. And again, it brings up a lot of questions, moral questions. Should Apple take 30% of all transactions done on their platform? Should Apple make sure that transactions could only be done on their platform? Would you stop buying an Apple phone if that was the case? Or how about do you feel better that Apple takes 30% and you want to buy the phone because you think they're checking all the software as safely as they can to make sure that the Russian mafia or the Chinese don't steal credit cards? There's no right answer. But Apple used to be the small guy. And they did a commercial in the Super Bowl, 1984, where they had an athlete running down, taking a hammer and smashing the big media TV set that was there that was spewing propaganda. Apple was the renegade back in 1984. And you flash forward, they, they were fighting Microsoft. They were fighting the... the we're, we're independent. We're independent thinkers. We don't want a group think. Now they're in the position of they're the big boys. So the lawsuit, I will update you as it unravels and unfurls. Uh, Fortnite, their maker, Epic, said, hey, we're only taking 12.5% from developers. You're taking 30%. Um, that's too high. You're abusing your power. Is it abusing their powers or is it keeping their ecosystem safe? I can show you people, it's almost like a Republican Democrat, right? It's almost like a potato potato. Um, I can show you people on both sides, but Spotify, Match, and um, Spotify and Match Group, Match, uh, match Company, uh, Match Group. So, and they do Tinder and things like that. Spotify does music. And they're both saying, thank you, Epic, for you know, bringing this lawsuit. And we kind of agree with you. We were too afraid to do it ourselves, but we'll jump on board yours. Interesting drama, is it not? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. During COVID, the Robinhood app is really rocking and rolling as people are trying to kill their days with day trading or people are trying to t- kill their days with horse racing. Or like, But the Robinhood app is seeing four times as many trades as E-Trade. And Robinhood didn't really exist. They weren't all that prominent in 2000. Not at all. So it's interesting how quickly the millennials are shifting the power of an online broker like an E-Trade. E-Trade was electronic trades. So they they kind of owned that in the head of people for a while. But I would say that's over. Oh, the McDonald's CEO. Holy mackerel. 
before I got kicked off the air for technical reasons, um, and I could have done the phone for the show like I'm doing it now with less than quality standards, but we didn't. We we're kind of figuring it out. But before I did, I was like, wow, um, McDonald's fired their CEO and their, their claw backing. It's called a claw back when they said, we want some of that compensation because we've learned things about your performance and about what you were doing at work when you should have been doing your job. Um, he was trying to hook up with employees or something like that. There's nude photos or sexy photos that he deleted from his phone, but we're still on the McDonald's servers. And like, whoopsie. <laughs> um, Again, modern technology bringing down a CEO. So McDonald's wants $42 million back. He says it's meritless and misleading. In the last week, a lot of this, what I was saying was as I was off for three days, there was um, a lot of um, information about his deeds, his dirty deeds, so to speak. And I'm not passing judgment. I don't know the whole facts or anything like that. I know nothing. But it got ugly. And when I tell you, when my job is the greatest job ever, it has sex, death, and rock and roll in it. It does have sex, death, and rock and roll in it. 800-516-1220 each calls on the air. Remember last week, two weeks ago, we started seeing Kodak shares rocket higher. Um, They're going to get a government loan to manufacture pharmaceuticals for the coronavirus vaccine. They were being saved by the U.S. government as you're slowly dying in photography. Let's get you ramping up production of something else. And Peter Navarro, the trade executive uh, advisor for Donald Trump, he came out and said, this is the dumbest company ever. Um, You can't fix stupid. Basically, the executives started buying shares before it was publicly announced. I don't know if that's true or false. But again, I'm glad we've got some watch groups, whether it be Congress, whether it be the Securities and Exchange Commission, whoever, watching companies from doing stupid stuff. They can't front run. I'm, I'm not heavily regulated. I'm lightly regulated. I can't say, oh, Apple's the greatest company in the world, and I happened to buy it yesterday. Um, I can't do that. It's against law. I, I have to try to disclose conflicts. Now, I'm not going to get them all. Like when I say I don't own any shares of Tesla, I wish I did. I probably own some Tesla in an index somewhere. If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. So know that sometimes people are doing what they can in your best interest. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. I think there's plenty going on at this point in time. We get big earnings this week from more companies. Most of the big retailers are going to be coming out. Um, and again, I like that kind of stuff. It's, it's almost a to tell the truth. We're going to get Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, Target. They're all scheduled to report. Uh, it took the S&P 500 23 days to lose 34%. It then goes up 52% in 97 days. And now we're starting to look at companies and how they're actually doing in earnings. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Please um, forgive the audio for the next few days. It should be getting better in the very near future. I bring it up in large part because I'm bringing you a live show. Uh, last week, we had some technical difficulties through my corporation, um, and we're fixing them. Deion Sanders recently left the NFL Network, and he's joining a company called Barstool Sports. Now, I bring this up as a media conversation with you. Um, it's interesting. Deion Sanders, when he, he was at the NFL Network, he had to kind of like, he couldn't really say some stuff because there's television decorum. There's political correctness. But Howard Stern showed us many years ago, he could leave terrestrial radio and go to satellite radio and he could say dirty words. And his business and his model hasn't exactly been hurt. He's not, I'm not going to say not one of the wealthiest people in the world because I don't know that. I don't know about his personal finances, but I know his contract's pretty darn attractive. So Deion Sanders is kind of setting a little bit of uh, blaze setting and there's uh, trailblazing. Portland Trailblazers made the playoffs. So he joins a company called Barstool. Barstool is partially owned or is completely owned by National Gaming. Um, and National Gaming is tied towards Penn National Gaming. Penn National Gaming being a publicly traded company that does horse racing. And they also do online betting. And they also do Barstool Sports, which is trying to compete with ESPN. So Deion Sanders didn't leave ESPN. He left the NFL Network. But you can kind of see that talent's kind of a big deal. Um, and joining a company where you can curse and say things that you know maybe men would say to each other, not on radio or television, but would, in their own you know living room. Media is slowly changing. What I'm trying to get at with this is some of the betting apps like DraftKings is publicly traded, as is Penn National Gaming. And a lot of people are starting to find a lot of interest in that, even though short-term, a lot like marijuana stocks, there's a lot of promise for the future. We'll open these things up, these markets, but there's a lot of hiccups along the way. Social media stocks are surging all year long. Social media, I was looking at some of the data on the companies and the sector in particular. It's still one of the fastest growing industries in the world. Cars grow very slowly. If you, have, if you want a car, you probably have one. If you want to replace it, there's probably a timetable, right? We can see how like the food industry, it stays pretty consistent in ads for population. But the sexy growth right now, which is why I've always liked tech stocks, because they grow faster than GDP, in theory. That's where I start my, my language, but I have to evolve it. Social media generated nearly $30 billion in revenue in 2019. Facebook is one of the world's largest social media companies with 3.1 billion people using Facebook or one of its products every single month. Thank you, thank you in part to the COVID coronavirus pandemic. I don't even know what to call it these days. The coronavirus lockdown. 1.8 million people logged on to Facebook every single day in June. Every single day in June. And again, when you turn on the television, you're enjoying your episode of Friends or your, your CNN news, but you're also getting hit with commercials every 12 minutes, right? The 1.8 million people logging into Facebook every single day in June, it's up 12% year over year. This is still a growth sector. And that still, I'm not going to see if the word turns me on. That still, get, that still gives me some attraction, you know? I, I gravitate towards. So... 
Facebook, if you factor in products like Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, 2.5 billion people logged on daily every day in June. So not only do they have their primary product, Facebook, but even their secondary products help add to growth. And in theory, they haven't leveraged their secondary products as much as their primary. So in theory, Facebook should be maturing and slowing down. And there should be growth in WhatsApp and Instagram. So even though it's free to use, advertisers are paying big dollars to reach the 2.5 billion people logging in every single day. That's why a company will <laughs> grow in valuation. Facebook's valuation is bigger than AT&T, McDonald's, and Walmart combined. A lot of times we talk about Apple or we talk about, you know, at one point in time, Apple was bigger than, you know, the next three retailers combined. And you're like, bigger than, yep, kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm not saying by Facebook. I'm just saying that's where some growth still is happening on a year-over-year usage. And Facebook's the strongest of them. They're stronger than WhatsApp as far as how many people they're hitting. Uh, YouTube comes in close second behind Facebook. Then you get Tumblr and TikTok and Reddit and Twitter and Pinterest and Snapchat and MySpace. MySpace? Nah, MySpace is gone. But you could kind of see how social media is still very much so getting a little bit of growth to a lot of growth. TikTok's so important right now. It's the fastest growing social media app. And that's why, that's why they're important. Is it a U.S. versus China thing? The world's share of short 60-second videos with anyone who wants to watch them can watch them. They host it. Like, TikTok's still surging. TikTok's primary company is called ByteDance, and they're the most valuable private company in the world right now. Let me just throw that out there one more time for you. So TikTok is being told to split up um, it's U.S. operations because Trump doesn't trust the Chinese will use our data appropriately. I, I'm not smart enough to talk about that. But TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is the world's most private, valuable company. It's valued at a whopping $100 billion. That's three times as big as Twitter. Twitter once had something called Vine, which is creepily eerily similar to TikTok, except for they limit it to something like you could do anything you want in seven seconds, whereas TikTok's like you could do anything you want in 60 seconds. So I wasn't stunned. I wasn't surprised. I was pleasantly reminded that TikTok is the largest private company in the world right now. Uh, ByteDance, for their part, they've installed a former Disney executive to try to look more capitalist and fair than maybe communist and Chinese. I don't know if that's the right words to use, but I think that's close. Anyhow, we're talking all things financial. We're back. Technical difficulties aside, we'll get better and better. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com or robloxshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.